Chapter 5, Parts 1 through 3 of Dress Design, An Account of Costume for Artists and Dressmakers, by Talbot Hughes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Libby Gone. Dress Design, An Account of Costume for Artists and Dressmakers, by Talbot Hughes. Chapter 5, Parts 1 through 3. Part 1, 16th Century, Character of Trimmings. Before the 16th century, we find the art of decoration and costume had been confined chiefly to applied ornamental bands at the neck, waist, and borders of the skirt and cloak. They had up till this time utilized with great artistry of design, no doubt partly due to the heraldic study, the patterns of the finely decorated damasks and velvet. The counter-color effects and relative proportions, such as a small patterned dark-colored silk setting off a large, full-colored design, was ably considered as well as the introduction of a nicely balanced black note or setting, which proved these designers were highly skilled in judgment of style. They also discovered the art of giving enrichment and lightness to the effect by means of the various serrated edges to the materials, which also gave a flutter to the movements. A preference of lacing for fastening added to the charm of the dress, but the long rows of close buttons were also a feature of the clinging robes, the clasps and brooches, neck chains, girdle, belt and wallet being further very important items of enrichment to the effect on coming to the sixteenth century we enter what may be termed the slashed and puffed period the sleeves of henry the eighth's reign are very rich in design and jewel setting the design of the sleeve as in figure forty giving a striking effect the angle to the top of the sleeve being held out by the stiffness of the under silk one the neck setting and festooning of the jewel chains play an important part in the design on the plain velvet corset bodices. The headdress is one of the most remarkable, and give a great chance for individual arrangement and binding in the back fall as to set various angles on the shaped cap piece, combining severity with a big loose draping which is extremely picturesque. With Edward the Sixth commences what may be termed the braided period of decoration. This latter came suitably with a stiffer corsage and set-up. Mary's reign was not of attractive severity, but the over-robe with a short circular sleeve at the shoulder and high collar was a graceful creation, and was retained by many as late as 1630. There was little to admire in the Elizabethan age as regards design, except the beauty of the materials and the exquisite needlework. The proportions of the dresses were exceedingly ugly, and the pleated farthingale an absurdity. The male dress had much interest and often beauty of setting and decorative effect. The slashed materials gave a broken quality to what would otherwise be a hard effect, and it also cleverly introduced another colour change through the suit. There will be found many examples in these illustrations of the pricked and punctured designs on leatherwork, which are worth examining for modern treatment. Quilting and pleating were ably combined with the braiding, and we see the clever adaptation of straw patterns sewn on, a feature of the late sixteenth century which harmonized with the gold braidings or gold lace, or resembled the same effect. The trimmings of braid were often enriched with precious or ornamental stones and pearls, the stomacher, waist, front band down the skirt, and borders of most garments. Another important item was the black stitchwork on linen, sometimes mingled with gold, so highly prized now for its beauty of design and effect, but beginning probably in the reign of Henry the Seventh. Short coats of this type of the Elizabethan age are marvels of skill, and many caps are still in existence. Fine linen ruffs and collars were often edged with this work, as well as with gold lace. 
Jackets and caps, both male and female, bearing geometrical and scroll designs in gold, filled in with coloured needlework of flowers, birds, or animals, have happily been preserved for our admiration. Sequins appear on work from Henry VIII's time, and were much appreciated by the Elizabethan workers, who no doubt found the trembling glitter added much to the gold lace settings and delicate veilings. Long pear-shaped sequins were favoured for this. Sleeves were often separate and could be changed at will. Part two, sixteenth century, Henry the Eighth, female. The hair at this period was parted in the centre and gathered into a plate at the back. It was also seen rather full and waved at the sides of the head, and a small circlet was often carried across the brow. A cap of velvet or gold brocade, sometimes with a padded front, curved over the ears to the neck, keeping the shape of the head. Over this, again, a velvet fall was turned back from the front, or shaped as in the illustration, reaching to the shoulder. These falls were also bound into set-out shapes, which gave many picturesque effects. Dress had now taken a new phase, and the set bodice became a lasting feature. At this period the waist was rather short, and the neck, arranged in a low square or round form, generally filled in with gathered lawn. The upper part of the sleeve was often divided from the bodice by ties with lawn puffs, and was made in a full circular form, slashed or puffed and banded, with a tight-fitting sleeve on the forearm. Another type divided the upper and lower part of the arm at the shoulder and elbow, the forearm being effectively tied or laced, and the under lawn sleeve pulled through. Small slashings are also seen on these. At times a bell-shaped sleeve was worn, showing a slashed or puffed under one. Many dresses were still cut in one, and were often high-necked. With these, usually a girdle or band of drapery was worn, and some skirts opened up the front, showing a rich underskirt. Full skirts, heavily pleated at the waist, were worn in the earlier part of this reign, banded in varying widths of designs to about the knee. But a new development was in progress, a stiff, bell-shaped dress, set on hoops over a rich underskirt, which usually bore a jewelled band down the centre, the upper one being divided in front to display this feature. The bodice with this type becomes longer in the waist and was made on a stiff corset. Gloves are occasionally seen serrated at the cuff end. Shoes of the slashed character and squared toes were also worn by the ladies, but many preferred a shoe with a moderately rounded toe. The first mention of a leather umbrella is in 1611, but this is a rare instance, as they were not in use till the late 18th century here, though they are noted in continental prints during the 17th century. Part 3, 16th century, Henry VIII, male. The modes at the end of the last century now developed into a heavier character of design. The long hair soon began to be closely cut, and a short beard came into fashion. A flat type of hat was worn with a serrated brim or tabs which could be turned down at times, and others were kept in place by a lacing cord through the holes. There was also a flat tam-o'-shanter shape, generally worn well tilted to one side, and amongst the upper classes mostly adorned with feathers. The V-shaped collar or opening to the belt was still retained on the jerkin, and plain or pleated skirts are seen, also a square close-fitting vest with a low square neck filled with gathered lawn, or one with a high neck and short collar, on which a very small ruff appeared for the first time, and at the wrist as well. These were now decorated with long slashes or gathered puffs, 
heraldic design was still seen on the breast and even party colour was worn but this character was now treated more by the decorating with coloured bands on the tunic or tights long coats were still worn of the shape described at the end of the fifteenth century but a short surcoat was the mode reaching just below the knee sleeveless or with the various hanging sleeves of this period the fronts usually turned back to form a wide collar either round or square in shape on the shoulder or at times falling to a deep square at the back the sleeves were full in the upper part tightening to the wrist sometimes open up to the elbow and laced or they were pleated into a full round shape at the shoulder puffs and slashings increased in these designs and by fifteen twenty we find the sleeves mostly divided into puffed and slashed forms which grew to fantastic proportions very short tight breeches or trunks with a front flap or codpiece were decorated to match the body design and colour schemes they increased in length to the knee or just below during this reign and usually finished in a serrated roll shoes were of the square form some very short in front held on by a strap across the instep while others with fronts to the instep the corners were often brought out to a point on each side of the toes and the mode of decorating with slashing and punctures made them very interesting the sides of these shoes are very low from three-quarters to one inch and no heels are seen a big round shape was also favoured which increased in width till the proclamation forbade it exceeding six inches chains were still a decorative feature round the neck and the belt carried a sword and pouch or amongst the working classes other necessities end of chapter five parts one through three